This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, July 14th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. It's been a long time since most Americans have seen inflation like this in the wild. And for younger people, they haven't seen inflation like this ever. So there are a few things worth keeping in mind when trying to assign blame and give grace to the people and decisions that have given us this consistently high inflation. Cato's Norbert Michel comments. There is a famous phrase from Milton Friedman, the economist, that Inflation is everywhere and always a monetary phenomenon. However, as you noted recently in a discussion that well, there's more to it than that. That's right. There's actually, even if, even if you took this as gospel, uh, which you shouldn't necessarily do, uh, right. there's more to it than that. That's right. That's right. Uh, the whole quote goes on to say, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon in the sense that. So he's very careful to describe exactly what he means. Uh, and he says in the sense that it is caused by the rate of growth in money relative to, and now I'm paraphrasing, it's caused by the rate of growth in the money supply relative to the rate at which we can produce things relative to output. So there's there's a dynamic relationship going on there. And what's happened is everybody's just taken that to mean, well, if there's inflation, it's the Fed's fault. And if the Fed printed too much money, we get inflation. And it's much more complicated than that. So uh, help us understand this. We have been dealing with supply chain issues yeah. for well over a year. Yep. And that has affected the ability of the United States to create output. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, you have you have the COVID pandemic hit, and you have these government shutdowns, and that kind of throws a giant monkey wrench into the way we do everything. And then you know the things the the pandemic starts to clear, people start to go back to work, demand comes back really fast. Um, and in the in the intervening period, you have a very large fiscal stimulus go out, so people have a lot more disposable income. And then we find out, oh, well, we have all these problems now where we can't really produce everything that we need at the rate that we could in the past. So it, that that matters. Um, and, and it matters for multiple reasons. And one of the main ones uh, regarding the Fed is you can't just blame the Fed for the inflation. And then the second piece of this is, unfortunately, to whatever extent the problems that we have with inflation are supply-side driven, turns out monetary policy is not really good at handling that. It's not equipped for that. Um, and I like to use an analogy with a storm. So if you have a storm, say a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico, wipes out all the oil rigs, can't produce oil for a while, that means we're going to be able to produce less gasoline than we would have otherwise produced for a while. Well, we would expect the price of gasoline to go up. That's not the Fed's fault. And prices go up, and because gasoline is such a large component of the price level, it looks like when we do, we have inflation. Pushes the overall price level up if that storm is severe enough, right? So now you have inflation, and the way the Fed normally handles inflation is they tighten. So they shrink the overall availability of credit in the economy. Well, that's not going to help. <laughs> that's not going to help in the sense that it's not going to help us produce more gasoline. And that's what we need, right? That's We need more gasoline to get the supply up, to get the prices down, to clear the inflation. Uh, and monetary policy isn't going to help on that. 
And so if you just use that analogy to think more broadly of supply shocks all across the economy, uh, then you have this, this widespread supply effect that is at least partly responsible for the inflation that we have right now. And that portion can't really be addressed adequately by monetary policy. So is it possible that people like me have been giving Congress and Joe Biden and Donald Trump too much grace <laughs> in suggesting that uh, supply-driven inflation, or to some extent supply-driven mm -hmm. inflation, is something they can't do anything about? Because it seems like there are a lot of levers to pull for Congress yeah. and the president to get out of the way of supply. There are a lot of levers that they can pull, not the monetary policy lever, <laughs> um, but you have two of the big pieces, or well, one of the big pieces. Let, let's let's uh, let me say that differently. One big piece is don't continue with the fiscal stimulus. Don't keep sending people money, right? Uh, and we've been doing that through Treasury, so we haven't been doing that on the monetary side through the Fed, but we have been doing it through the fiscal side through Treasury. Again, that's that's very similar to if we tried to address it with monetary policy. Giving everybody more money isn't going to help clear those supplies, those the supply constraints, because you're you're just going to have more people bidding against the same limited resources. So that's not going to work either. Um, now, th then more broadly, there are all kinds of regulatory issues. Um, energy markets are a great example. You've in the U.S. We have been basically at capacity for refining gasoline uh, oh, for decades. And any little thing that happens in the gasoline market, you get wild price swings. And that goes on all the time for decades, no matter what we're doing with monetary policy. And if you don't want that to happen, you need to do more refining. And if you want to do more refining, you need more refineries. And we've barely had any new refineries in the U.S. for decades because of all the regulatory problems and the cost uh, and the, the, the policies, the federal policies that make it difficult to actually produce the refineries. Um, same thing on the production side of gasoline markets. It comes from crude oil. We're not making it easy to produce crude oil. We're doing the opposite. We're making, making it difficult to produce crude oil, difficult to ship crude oil. Um, that Those things are supply constraints in general. So when you have something like a pandemic shutdown and it throws a monkey wrench into the way we produce then it only magnifies the situation that we have in terms of capacity. As of this morning, uh, we got new inflation numbers. Yes. And the headline number is 9.1 percent, yes. highest since 1981. Yes, 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 yes. And and we can go back uh, maybe six or so times in a row and say something similar about the last report, <laughs> about whatever report that was in that month. So this is this is a continuing trend. It's not completely out of line with what we've been seeing. I think the month the month was 1.3 instead of 1%. So that's not great. That's June to June. Yes. Technically, end of, end of May to June, month of June. Yes. Right. So it's not great. We would like to see it go in the other direction. Um, but it's also not crazy in terms of, you know, going going way too high, right? Um, it's It's about in line with what we've been getting.
So I'm not entirely surprised. I think it's probably you'll have another Fed tightening and maybe it'll be a half a point, maybe it'll be three quarters of a point. And I think it'll probably be another month or so before you start to see that really taking effect in the CPI. Um, there's some signs that gasoline prices are starting to come down. Uh, one problem with using the CPI is the way the, the shelter component is in there. You're going to have a lagged effect from housing prices. And they don't directly measure housing prices, but they indirectly measure them in the shelter component. And it's with a really big lag. And we know that over the last year, we've seen housing prices skyrocket. That hasn't all shown up yet in the CPI, but it's going to. So again, you're going to have this issue where no matter what the Fed's doing, the overall price level is probably going to rise for a bit. Um, and it's it's not good, but it's not necessarily something to overreact about. You have to look at the components. So if it's the, if the shelter component keeps driving it and the other ones come down, then that's good. Um, but you do you have you do still have a broad based expansion here, so it's it's not great, but not surprising. Norbert Michel is vice president and director of the Cato Institute Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. Please give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 